we pressed publish when we weren't ready to do this, right? I mean, I think we went through our first podcast probably 10 times, just like dry runs before we even pressed publish. And like by time 10, we were not ready, but we still did it. You're listening to Celestina Brunetti, who joined me for this special two-guest interview with her business accountability partner and Unstuck Institute podcast co-host, Josh Bean. Members of my Solopreneur Success Connections community may recognize Josh and Shell from our spring panel on Solopreneur Startup Challenges. In fact, this interview led me to invite them on that panel discussion. Now, you finally get to listen to our original conversation on the importance of knowing when good enough is good enough to launch. Because Josh and Shell are today's guests on Solopreneur Success. Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs. Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm interviewing Josh Bean and Celestina Brunetti, hosts of the Unstuck Institute podcast. Both are solopreneurs and, like me, are all about helping others reach their full potential. And I really love their story and how they've come to work with each other, but especially the message that we're bringing to today's show, Ready is a Lie. So Josh and Shell, let's jump right in. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, Steve. Good to chat with you guys again. Hey, I know you have your own podcast now, but before that, you are solopreneurs. I would love to hear a bit about your journey. How did you get started? with your own business for yourself. And I know we have two guests on the show today. So let's start with Shell today. Shell, how did you get started in business? That is a fantastic question. I found out really early at like 19 when I was working for other people that I did not enjoy working for other people and having my time dictated by someone else's schedule. So as soon as I possibly could, I was like, okay, let's make this happen. So I was actually back in Las Vegas living with my parents, as a matter of fact, and going through a dietetic internship to become a dietitian, that I kind of made this big leap into becoming an entrepreneur slash solopreneur. So I opened a personal chefing business in a very saturated market of Las Vegas. And that's kind of beginning of where my entrepreneurial journey starts. Since then, I've moved to two different states and now I'm overseas. So I feel like I'm a seasoned professional in moving my business at this point. Yeah, but... and that's, that's kind of a really hands-on. <laughs> that's not like your typical, a lot of solopreneurs, you know, you're in a, independent of location, but you're really, sounds like if you're cooking for somebody, you've got to be there on site. So how does it look in your day-to-day? Yeah, definitely. So in the two states that I moved to, I was still personal chefing for really busy families. I've since made the transition. We moved to Germany about three weeks ago. Um, and I've since made the transition to 100% virtual. So I now help busy families learn to bring food back home. And I teach them virtually how to get their kids and families involved and how to make cooking a breeze so that rather than eating out, they can choose to eat at home more often. Oh, that's awesome. And the nice thing about doing virtual is you, it's a lot easier to scale that than going in in person, unless you're going to do like a big conference. I, mean, I don't know if you're going to do a big conference and teach a cooking show or something, but that's a really fascinating <laughs> story there with the personal chef and, and have you always loved to cook? Is that something that you just had a desire to do or what brought you to that path in the first oh, place? Oh yeah. That's been ingrained since I was a child. Both my parents and my grandparents would just like sit me down on the counter and I'd be cooking with them for, for dinner and 
major holidays and I feel like all of my major memories, especially when I like bite a piece of food that I've had as a kid, like it just brings me back immediately. So yeah, it's definitely been ingrained for, for years now. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I want to ask Josh the same question, of course, though. I, I think Josh has told me before, he's kind of like a serial solopreneur. So not satisfied <laughs> with just one business. He's got to keep bringing up new businesses. So Charles has become an expert in and moving that business from place to place and then taking the transition from here I am in person in your kitchen to here I am virtual from overseas, which is fantastic. And I'd love to hear more about that in a little bit. But Josh, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. Yeah, I'm totally a serial solopreneur. I have uh, what I call ooh shiny syndrome, where I, I'm working on something. I go, oh, that's a great idea. And I start this other thing too. I'm also thankfully good at not abandoning old ideas, but it makes for a very busy lifestyle when you just keep adding new ideas to the pile. Yeah, so I started out, the first thing I did entrepreneurial-wise uh, was in college, I actually made, so I, I was going to college, like living as cheaply as possible by living at home and on scholarships and blah, blah, blah. So I was living as cheaply as possible and made my spending money by fixing broken twos back in the day, buying them broken on eBay, fixing and selling them fixed on eBay. And all started because my PlayStation 2 broke one day and I like went online and I was like, how do you fix this stuff? And uh, just started dabbling, fixed my own. And then I had a friend who needed theirs fixed and it just became a thing. And I, once I knew how to do it, it was like, well, I could just get broken ones off eBay because they're always selling like, this one's crap, it's dead, I don't know. And then I would take it in 10 minutes, bring it back to life and sell it on eBay. And turn it around for like $50 profit per thing. So that was how I made like my spending cash while I was going to school for theater design, which was a whole different thing. So then I, I went to school there and uh, graduated and got work as a designer in theater for lighting and sound and did that for 10 years. And it was great. And then I just started getting the bug again. Like I always need, part of my ooh shiny syndrome is I always need a new challenge. And for me in theater, at least locally, I'm from Albuquerque, New Mexico. It had just become kind of a, I reached a ceiling and there was no new challenge. So the next challenge was either to move to a bigger market for theater, like in New York or Chicago, or find something completely different to do. And I like it here. And I love the low cost of living compared to New York and Chicago. My goodness. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> So I started dabbling in other things and, and it, I kind of went back to that PlayStation thing of 10 years earlier. And I, I knew an IT guy. I started following him around and learning how to fix computers. And I was like, Eureka, like I've always wanted to own my own business. I just didn't know what that would be. I had like a romantic fantasy about being a shop owner. I don't know how or why this is ingrained in me, but I always was just wired that way. And so once I really got into following around this IT guy. I was like, this is it. This is how I can own my own business, doing something I find interesting that I'm good at. And so I followed him around. I learned a bunch. And then I went to night school and got certified and opened my own business. And that's what I've been up to for the last, I guess, four years now. I slowly ramped down my day job, which was technically a night job because it was theater. <laughs> and like I went part-time and then I went out and now like that theater is a client of mine as an IT professional. And then I'm always doing other things on the side. So my main gig is IT consulting now, but then 
Chell and I have this podcast that we do, the Unstuck Institute podcast. I just launched, as Chell's learning to go virtual and grow, I just launched uh, an e-course, how to start your own podcast, the podcast startup course. So I'm, I'm learning about online kind of sales and not like local service-based sales for the first time. And, and who knows what else, like just juggling too many things. But that's, I think that's the main thrust of the ideas I'm juggling at the moment. <laughs> yeah. And you made a really good point. I want to make sure our listeners didn't miss on this because one of your clients is your former employer. Uh -huh. that's, you have a good relationship with your employer. You can often, as you begin to move out, bring value to them in a different way. And sometimes you can get a contract or something like that. It's a great way to get your feet wet as you make that transition from, say, full-time employment into your own business. And I'm really glad that you brought that point up because that's something that many people have the ability to do but overlook as an opportunity. And yeah, and cool. also one thing we like, we don't, we're not the type of people who are like, go all in, just dive in. It's the only way you're going to do it. We like to preach baby steps all the way. And having a good relationship with your employer if you're transitioning out is key because instead of having to quit one day and hope I make enough money the next day on my business, I was able to communicate with them hey, I'm burning out. I'm leaving some point soon. And they let me step down to part-time, then half-time, and then out while they brought on my replacement who I trained. So it was like, it was win-win. And if you can find those win-win situations and you have a good relationship, you can make those things happen versus like, burn the bridge, I'm out, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and that's great. And in my case, I was like, I was let go. So I didn't really have any choice, but I was like smiling all the way home. I was like, that's fine with me. I'm, I'm ready to go full in because I was already working my business on the side for like a year and a half, I think it was, before I got laid off. That was a transition I had hoped for. I just wasn't quite ready to make the leap and it kind of got forced on me. And that happens sometimes too. But that's why it's nice to have that side business that you can transition quickly if you need to, because you can always, when you have those extra hours, ramp it up. And of course, we're at a a big time of change. A lot of people have lost jobs recently with the COVID thing. And it happens anytime. It doesn't have to be a recession or a pandemic in order to be in a situation where you might need to make a pivot in your life. And sometimes that business can be exactly what you're looking for. But I agree with you. I've heard it also called chicken entrepreneurship, where you're not like you just jump and dive right in and you're like, oh no, I, <laughs> what's going to happen now? I don't know how to pay my rent. No, that's not necessarily what we're promoting here. And I'm glad you guys are on board with that too, because I'm I am all in on business. I'm not all in about being foolish and just saying, let's just throw everything out to the wind. Unless, you know, if you have financial reserves or you have a, the means to grow that business and, and you could just go full time and it's not a financial hit on you, fantastic. That's not everybody. I have clients who can do that. Mm -hmm. I have clients who can't do that. I wasn't able personally to do that. I had a big family. I don't know where you guys are, if you have family or not, but not everybody's in a position where they can just dive full into a business on day one. Sometimes it takes that ramp up time, especially in a solopreneur style of business. And if you don't want to have outside investors, you have to answer, you want to have control in your business. Sometimes you're better off bootstrapping it. And we're going to talk about that. But before we get there, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you guys connected. I mean, I, if I remember right, you guys met in New Mexico and now you're like split across halfway across the world. So how did that come about? <laughs> Josh, go for it. <laughs> All right. Out. Well, it started one day when I was struggling with eating healthy. And I knew that I had tried a bunch of things. It's a little overweight, but weight loss wasn't my goal. My goal was really just feel better in my body. And so I started going, you know what I think would be good is instead of like Googling 
what I should eat. If I had like a dietitian or somebody who knew what they were talking about, tell me what I should do for my body. And so I Googled that, a dietitian New Mexico, and I found Celestina's website. And so this was totally just a client a relationship at first. And I found her and because she's a dietitian, but also a personal chef, I was like, ooh, that person is very likely going to teach me how to eat healthy, but make it taste good, which yeah. is like important to being able to stick with eating healthy, right? <laughs> and so I was like, from the, like, there was no other option like that in New Mexico at the time anyway, that I was like, this person's a dietitian and a chef. And I was like, all right, let me call her up. So that's how we met. And their relationship kind of developed from there. So after working with him for a couple of months, I was like, hey, you're a solopreneur. Why don't you join this networking group that I'm in? And yeah, that's basically how that went. So, so was that like a BNI forward. type of group? Or was like, what kind yeah. of networking group was that? Yeah, BNI. Okay. BNI, yeah. It was yeah. BNI. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, we have got those up here in New Hampshire as well. And they're all over the country. Sure. So that's a, an organization you can take advantage of as far as meeting other business professionals in your area. And so if that's something, we'll make sure we put a, a link in the show notes to BNI just so you can learn about it. Interesting thing about BNI, and I'm just going to go on a rant here just for a second. It's my show. Sure right? It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a huge fan of the closed networking, but one nice thing about BNI that's really good is, is it does focus on helping each other find leads for potential new clients. And that's especially important if you are looking at local area clients. And both of you, you serve people locally mm -hmm. in a lot of cases, whether it's electronics or it's personal chef, and Lisa wears for Shell until now, she's doing virtual. But if you're working in a business that is more local, that could be a really good fit for you. And so it just depends on what you're looking for. And I'm not gonna go on a big round of that. I've did that before in the previous show. <laughs> <laughs> I will say this though, it clearly worked for you guys because it helps you grow your business and work together. And now you have a podcast together. We're actually down the road to starting a podcast. Well, I had this idea in my head that, you know, I listened to a ton of podcasts and read a lot of books and stuff. And I was just like, it'd be great to like, I don't know, help others, teach others somehow. I don't know what, it wasn't even a podcast idea. It was just like, it'd just be great. Maybe it's an e-course, maybe it's the podcast, maybe it's a YouTube channel. I don't know. But I never, it was one of those, ooh, shiny ideas, right? <laughs> and, but I never, <laughs> one I never of your had, many. <laughs> one of my many. <laughs> I never had the, uh, the gusto to like get it started. But then as Sean and I grew closer as friends and stuff, like it just dawned on me, like, I think what I need in this project, first time in my serial solopreneur journey is a partner. And as it just so happens, I was having that idea as she was, packing up to leave New Mexico <laughs> so, <laughs> with the idea of it being somehow online and somehow virtual. I was like, well, this could still work. She moved to Pensacola and now in Germany. And so I just sat down with her and I was like, what do you think about this? And she was like, on board, I think, unless you were just like faking it. <laughs> no, no, no. I was definitely on board. But we also had had masterminds for about, I think like 10 or 12 months at that point. So we had already been meeting on a monthly basis to kind of brainstorm different things about our jobs, how we could better serve our clients and just kind of go through a variety of different things and sometimes vent because that's real life, right? So we kind of transitioned our monthly masterminds to virtual masterminds in addition to helping people as well. 
Yeah. So was that just the two of you or did you have other folks involved in Mastermind and how did that work? Initially, we did have other people involved in our Mastermind. There was actually another dietitian and a children's book author in our initial Mastermind. So we all came from kind of very different points of view, which is really cool when you're in a Mastermind. So if you guys don't have a Mastermind, I highly recommend getting people from different professions because it, it just lends a different point of view, which can be really cool. So yeah, we did have different people and it was really fun in person because we just met in person on like a Friday night and had some food. It was great. (laughs) But I think transitioning it online made it a little bit more direct and is actually a lot more valuable for both of us because we can still bounce ideas off of each other and expose that to other people who may be having those same issues as well. Yeah, I find that very helpful as well. In my community, the Solopreneur Success Connections community, we have a monthly virtual mastermind. I find virtual networking also to be very powerful. And, and for the reason you stated is, is sometimes you get right to the point faster when you're online, it just seems that way. And sometimes a lot of chit-chat and that, that's great for relationship building to a point. But sometimes I found in the in-person networking, not in-person virtual, obviously, uh, when you're doing in-person networking, sometimes you can waste a lot of time. And not to mention the travel, I'm talking about actually there, you know, waiting for somebody to, to have a conversation or to meet with somebody and you're virtual you can get right to the point and you're not limited by geographic considerations. Like you guys are between New Mexico and Germany now and my members from the communities all over the world. So that's something of interest. You know, the mastermind is available to people in the community or if not do it, you know, Josh and Shell did start your own. There's no reason you can't. If you get a couple of the people and the nice thing is, you know, Josh and Shell are in different businesses, which is really cool that you have different businesses yet you came together in a kind of a partnership with mastermind and, and a podcast. I think that's fascinating. And I want to kind of kind of shift gears here a little bit and move into what we really wanted to talk about today for our listeners, which is this topic and this idea that ready is a lie. And I, I know what you're saying, and I agree with you because I've been there. And that's exactly <laughs> why I didn't jump with both feet into my business in 2009, even though I'd been working on the side of my full-time Fortune 1000 company job for uh, all this time and building a business at the same time, but I wasn't ready to go. And then it was forced on me. So tell us about this ready is a lie. I'm not sure who wants to go first here, but what do you mean by that? So this was actually the topic for our first podcast ever. And I think this is extremely relevant in this instance, because I mean, we pressed publish when we weren't ready to do this, right? I mean, I think we went through our first podcast probably 10 times, just like dry runs before we even pressed publish. And like, By time 10, we were not ready, but we still did it. So I think big picture, like that is the big takeaway from this. Even if you feel like you are super scared, not ready, just do it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for preparation. Like we're not just saying like, just go do it. Whatever you're doing, you want to deliver the best product you're able to, of course. Mm -hmm. But like, I still don't necessarily feel ready quote unquote, to be a podcaster. And we're almost 70 episodes into our podcast, right? And so like, I'm glad we did a dry run 10 times. If we were going to do that over and over again until we felt like we were really good at, at like hosting a show, we wouldn't have ever released it. And so when we say ready is a lie, we mean that like, there is no perfect. So just release the best thing you can in the moment today, this week, and iterate as your skills improve, as your tools improve, et cetera, as you get feedback from your clients and customers, like you can iterate, you can make it better. But it's that old adage, like 
the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is today. So don't wait another 20 years to plant your tree. You'll plant it today and, it, and let it grow, let it develop. Yeah, exactly. And incremental improvement. Here's the thing. If, if you want to be a master, you, you got to start somewhere. You don't become a master before you start. You have to start and you, and you grow. You know, here's the thing. Here's something I've just found when it comes to ready is it's not that you're ever really, like you said, ready, but rather, do you have something of value to provide? And if you can provide more value than somebody had before, then you're ready enough. And that's the thing. You can be ready enough, and then you can improve as you go. And that's really, I believe, the point you're trying to make here is it's not you're ever perfect, but if you can provide something of value, get on it. Because you're never going to make a dime if you don't release something. You have to have an offer. And too many people are like, be here forever and never get done and never, never make an offer. So let's talk about that. Joe, when you started in the dietitian area, what was your first offer? When you very first got your very first customer, what did that look like? How did it come about? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you to back, right? I can tell you that I did not have the confidence to charge enough by any means. So my first offer was cooking with someone in their house, going on a grocery store tour with them and giving them the confidence that they need to be able to work in the kitchen. And actually my offer is the same now, but I charge my worth. So it's very interesting how with time comes confidence. I think initially perfectionism was holding me back and almost a sense of imposter syndrome. So I didn't think that I knew the answers to their questions, I do. And I think that's what was holding me back initially. So if you have a quality product or service to sell to someone, you're not really selling, you're helping. Like that's your end goal is to help someone. So I think if you keep that mentality rather than being like the used car salesman on the lot, trying to sell the worst car in the lot, that's a better approach. And you're going to see your worth shine through like a hundred times just by going out and doing what you do best to help that person get to that next step. And it doesn't have to be an overnight step. It can be a baby step. So I think that's my approach. Yeah, absolutely. And that's how a lot of us do it. You know, Mm -hmm. confidence comes with doing it. It doesn't come from like, honestly, for example, as a solopreneur coach, when I started, my rates were much lower. And I got to the point where I would do sessions with clients and literally every single session I did, I raised my rate until I got to a point where I says, okay, now I'm comfortable. And I still raise my rates because I believe I'm delivering great value, but you have to grow into that, that confidence. And it's a stretch when you're starting a new business, like, okay, who am I to charge this rate? And sometimes you still have to do that self-examination. It's like, okay, am I really delivering value? But if, if you are, let's be honest about that too. If you're delivering a stronger return on investment than what they're giving you. And you got to think about it. in your case, you're providing not just how to do something, but you're, you're providing health. You're providing like Josh said, when he hired you, how do you feel better after you eat? And it actually feel good in my life. And it actually tastes good. And I enjoy doing this. So it's a strong value proposition, but sometimes when we're in our own business, we kind of get in the weeds. It's like, okay, am I really providing the value that I want to bring to the table? And am I really good enough? It's that little mental game we play with ourselves. And honestly, I think every single solopreneur has probably hit that at some point. We're like, okay, am I really charging too much? And often we're not charging enough, honestly. And I found that people often will respect your work more when you charge your value. When you charge low ball, what happens is they're like, okay, you must not be really worth that much. And then they'll often 
pay somebody who actually charges more because it's a perception issue. So yeah, that's a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up. What about you, Josh? When you got started into your new business, I know you made that transition and you had the, had the theater client. So how did you get into that aspect of getting your first client for growing that yeah. part of your business? Well, I distinctly remember the day that I built my website and I, I hit publish and I was like, today's the day I'm open for business. <laughs> and I had no storefront. I was working out of my, this IT guy, friend and colleague, uh, I was working out of his shop because he was nice enough to let me like meet clients there if I had any. He was finding that this mentor type person in my industry who was very open because not only did he teach me a lot of things, he's basically training his competition in some ways, right? He has an abundance mindset as I do. We're both like, especially now that I'm fully in the industry, I'm like, I could not take care of all of Albuquerque's computers and I don't want to try. So, you know, like, so we're happy to like share. But having that mentor who also, like I said to him, I was like, I'm going to start getting my own clients. And I don't know if I know enough for that, but I learn better on the job. Would you back me up if I get in over my head? Like if I get in over my head, I will just pass you the money and you teach me how you fix it, right? And I learned something and that's great. And he was all about that. And so I just can't stress uh, mentors along the way enough. But I definitely charged way too little, just like you guys. I've worked my way up. I remember also getting my first client. First of all, so when I published that website, I sat there like, hey, I've opened my own business now. And I just <laughs> waited for the phone to ring. And I could tell you're laughing because you know the phone did not ring. <laughs> but, Amazing how that works, right? <laughs> weird. I published the website. Hello, Google, specifically me. Where's my full-time income already? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about search rankings yet. This is all like ready as a lie. Like I just published and was, hey, let's try this. But when I did finally get my first client, somebody rang me up and they made an appointment for the next day to drop off their computer. And I went, oh crap, I need some like paperwork that like says like, I'm not responsible for your broken computer. And then like, give me contact information and like a password and stuff like that. Like I need check-in paperwork. <laughs> and so even though I thought I was ready, sometimes I would just be like the night before going, I'm making a form. <laughs> There's a lot of like, oh no, I got to make that happen now moments. I would have it any other way because I'd rather spend the time on the things I need as I need them versus trying to just be ready for absolutely everything that might come my way, which is impossible, by the way. <laughs> and then like having wasted set hours on like half of that stuff that I never use. So uh, that's another like benefit to me of ready is a lie is like, if you just jump in with that and you go, I think I'm ready and let's see what happens. And then somebody, your first client calls <laughs> and you're like, I need a form, a check-in form. Well, that's the perfect time to make that check-in form, you know? Yeah. And I love checklists and things like that. I'm all about that. You know, I've talked about in the show before, like the Checklist Manifesto, fantastic book. If you haven't read it, get it. But you guys got from me, when we scheduled this podcast interview, for example, a while back, and I sent you guys the podcast guest pre-interview guide. I sent it to everybody. But you know, it started as like, a, I think it was a single sheet or maybe two pages. And I was like probably six pages or something. And it's, well, how'd that come about? It came about because as I was doing more interviews, I'm like, okay, here's some things that people ought to probably know. And here's some things that I actually need from them. And here's how it can help. And oh, by the way, I probably ought to have this permission just to make sure they know that I actually can run their audio. Okay, somebody gives something stupid and says, okay, I own the audio. Really? <laughs> I said, maybe I should right. just include that just to be safe. 
and you learn these things as you go and you don't have to know everything up front. Yes, it's good to have some foundation, but nobody's going to know everything up front. And that's, that's also, again, ready as a light. I started a podcast like you. I'm not even as many episodes as you guys are. And I'm just rolling with this. Um, I'm having a lot of fun with these conversations. You guys are, are great guests as well as great hosts. And that's okay. You don't have to know everything to get started. Just you, you may want to record that first 10 times. Fine. I think I did mine like two or three times uh, takes on my first little five minute episode or whatever it was. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to just get done. And I'm just going to put it out there in the world. Just like you guys, like, forget it. You know, it's good enough. Let's just roll forward because I'm never going to get it moving forward if I don't put something out there in the world and hit press, uh, publish on it. So that's what we did. And one of the things that I know you guys talk about is, you know, don't let the desire to do everything keep you from doing anything. And that's a big, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but what are what your thoughts are on, on this whole idea of sometimes we want to do everything, and you, you know, shiny object, I, I, I'm afflicted with the same disease sometimes, is that, you know, I want to do this and this and this and this. You're probably a little bit better than I am. I, I have to be real careful or I can let other things slide as I jump to the next project. So I try to stay very super focused. It is easy to get sidetracked and, and go off to other things. But that's that desire. I want to do everything. Or maybe it's everything in your business. Maybe there's a lot of things you want to provide, but you can't necessarily provide them all on day one, nor do you need to. So how do you determine what's enough? How would you recommend people say, okay, this is enough. You can launch now. You have my permission. Not that you need it. Go ahead. What do you tell people? I think this, for me at least, it stems back to when I first started my business in Vegas. I went to the Small Business Development Center in the downtown area of Vegas, and I spoke with a gentleman who had helped many people start businesses, and he was a professor at the university there. And he's like, okay, well, you need a business plan. You need everything laid out right in front of you. You need all of this. And as soon as he said that, I was beyond overwhelmed, as I'm sure many people would be. So that at that point, I was like, no, I'm not doing any of this. So I shut down like immediately. I went home. I was super disappointed. And I was like, I think I'm still going to start this business though. So I was extremely overwhelmed like after that conversation, but I didn't let that stop me from taking those small steps to start the business, which in Las Vegas, in the state of Nevada as a whole is very challenging. Let me tell you, but (laughs) (laughs) I think looking at that big picture, like he wanted to know how many clients I needed a week to make the profit that I wanted. And like, I had just developed this beautiful vision of a business that I had in my head. And I was like, I don't know how many clients I need a week to succeed. Obviously now as a fairly seasoned business professional, I know what I need. But then I was like, this is extremely overwhelming. I don't know. I just want to cook for one family right now. Like I will be very happy if that happens. So it didn't stop me though. Although while I wasn't cooking for families of my own, I did find other ways to one, make money and two, just gain some additional knowledge from mentors and other people in Vegas. So just because someone scares you out of potentially doing what you love, don't stop. And I think that is super key to just keeping the ball rolling and taking those small next steps that are going to get you moving on the path that towards what you'd like to achieve. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I've had folks on as both podcast guests and, and trainers in my community all about business planning. 
when you're getting started, you don't even know what you don't know. And, and sometimes you just have to experiment and let's try this. It's okay to try something. And what if it doesn't work? So what? Try something else. It's okay to try. And it's not really a failure. It's, it's data. It's learning something. What doesn't work? Like get us in building a light bulb. Well, that didn't work. Okay. Doesn't mean he stops making a light bulb. You just try something else. Same thing with your business. Try something. You're better off trying something than doing nothing and worrying about planning all day long. I'm not saying don't plan, but golly, sometimes it's time just to you know say, okay, let's try something small. Let's take a baby step and see if we actually make forward progress. And if that works, great. And if it doesn't work, then I know that doesn't work. I'll try something else. I love what you said about that. Uh, Josh, Absolutely. I think you had something to add there. I saw you there. Already, uh, yeah, just uh, trying is knowledge, like you say. And on the Edison thing, I can't, I don't know if it's a direct quote, just an urban legend, but I know before he invented the light bulb, but while he was trying, they say that people would come out to him and why don't you do something else? This is never going to work. What are you up to? What You're failing. And he's like, I haven't failed. I've found 10,000 ways to not make a light bulb. <laughs> and, and just that attitude, like whether that's an urban legend or a direct quote, I don't really know. But that attitude, I love that quote for that reason of just like, failure is knowledge. It's not like, woe is me. I can't do anything. I'm not good enough. It's like, I've learned how that doesn't work. I'm one step closer to learning how something might wear me. Yeah, one of my coaches, he says, success is inevitable. What's the unknown is how long, the time. You have to be persistent. If you are persistent, you will find success, but you have to be persistent. And I completely endorse that attitude because if you are persistent, you will find a way forward. Doesn't mean it'll be forward in the way you initially envisioned, but there is a way forward and you have to find it. That's our job as solopreneurs, find that way forward. Absolutely. And I think you hit on something great there too, which is if you allow yourself to be vague about forward and the future, you'll find a great path, right? But if you're like, I'm going to be on this straight line path, you're probably going to be disappointed. If you're just looking for a vague thing like success, then you'll find it as long as you're persistent. Yeah, I kind of look at it this way. I- I look at there's a grand vision, and this is kind of like where you want to head. This is the kind of lifestyle I envision for myself in the future. And then I have my more near-term goals. I know some people that do like five and 10-year goals. I don't do five-year goals. I do long-term vision, and I do like one-year goals and less. Now, I know some people are very much in bigger goals than that, but I have a huge vision because I want to reach a million business owners and help them start and grow their own business. That's huge. That's monster. How I'm going to achieve all that? No idea. I do know this. I have goals for this year. I have goals for the next six months. I have goals for this month. I have goals for this week. What are the action steps I'm taking to achieve these goals? And I don't have to know it all. My goals as I get further out, even a year out, are still kind of fuzzy. I know you say, you know, do the smart goals and all that. Yeah, that's good to a point. It depends on how much clarity you have in the area you're pursuing. If you're pursuing a new area, it's okay to have some lack of clarity as long as you know your direction. And I can turn kind of a gradient scale the way I see it from very clear closer in to very fuzzy vision. Like you said, Josh, a moment ago about being vague. That's okay. You don't have to know it all. Let your vision drive you. Make sure your vision and your values drive you. And then you set your goals that move you closer to that vision. And that, I found that it works very effectively for me and for the clients I work with. And we tend to work a week, two weeks on very specific action steps. We work maybe a year out. Where do you want to be in a year? Outside that year, as long as it's moving towards your big vision, you're fine. Honestly, that's what I found is works for me. A year from now, you might have a change in your life that completely changes your entire course. 
So I think a year is, is good as long as you revisit that periodically. And I, I do revisit my goals on a regular basis. I don't wait till like New Year's Eve to do goals. You're doing your goals once a year. You're doing it way too infrequently. You need to work on that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I also, I just heard this metaphor, which just like when I heard it a few weeks ago, it just, I lost, it was so great. And it goes exactly what you're talking about, which is most people, they want a map. They think they have a map to their future. And a map tells you, you know, turn left here, turn right here. This is exactly how you're getting to where you're going, right? But what you can actually, you can't have a map to your future. You might have a map that you intend to follow for your near term, which is what you're saying. And I totally agree. But for the long term, it's like damn near impossible to have a map that really tells you turn by turn. But what you can have is a compass. A compass just tells you what direction you're going. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> that's real good. And, uh, marketing material? Yeah, use the words map, blueprint, whatever, your plan. <laughs> that sells because it sounds easy. But real mm-hmm. life is, we don't know everything. And things are, it's like the battle plan that changes the moment the battle starts. I was Army. I know that we have all this planning. Mm-hmm. We do the field exercises. But when, when stuff hits the fan, things are going to change and you have to adapt. And that's real life and business as well. That's a great idea of the difference between a map and a compass. And and that's exactly the philosophy I take. So I love that quote. That's wonderful. So yeah, this has been a fantastic conversation. I can just keep on going and going, but I want to kind of wrap (laughs) up a little bit here. Tell me this. I mean, you guys are across the world now. You still have a podcast. How do you guys envision working together still? I'm just curious. So what's together for for Josh and Shell and how you work together? Is it the mastermind in the podcast or what do you have on the horizon? We definitely have some more lofty goals just kind of more direct outreach to help our listeners as well. In a couple of weeks, we'll be dropping our life book and that'll be available to your listeners as well. So similar to how you were saying, reaching out for future goals, we kind of have created a book essentially to help our listeners achieve their goals and kind of just write them down. So that's on the the near horizon. Long-term, we have... Again, more lofty goals as well. I don't know if you want to go into that more detail, Josh. Yeah, let's hear it. Come on up. <laughs> yeah, it was hanging. sure. Well, I'll say too about the life book that it's, what we like about it is there's a lot of books out there about productivity and calendars and setting goals. But this book is, we've made it, it's like a workbook. So you're going to fill this out with your stuff, your life. And it's reflective. It's looking back on where you've been and how you got to where you are and then where you want to go, which I think is, is something that a lot of other Things, similar things we've seen are missing is that really personal reflecting time to, to acknowledge how you got to where you are, all the good and all the bad that comes with that, right? And so, yeah, we're totally giving that away for free. And that's just to help our listeners identify their goals and move forward. I mean, the name of our podcast is the Unstuck Institute podcast. So we're trying to get people to get that ball rolling forward. And in the future, we do plan to eventually some e-courses about starting your own business and community and, and stuff like that. But like you're talking about, Steve, we don't have very super specific goals on that because we don't want to roll out something that our audience doesn't need, right? And so we think we're going that direction and we're going to get feedback along the way. And there's going to be a lot of back and forth with our audience. And we're, we just want to help. That's our goal is to help. So we'll find eventually as we continue to grow, we'll find the need that is out there with our audience and try and fill that need as best we can, which is 
the summary nature of business, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's another great point you made too, is you have to listen to your, your audience, if it's your podcaster or, or if you're a business owner, your clients, your customers, what do they want? And sometimes there's a d- little bit of a disconnect between what they want, and what they need. So you mm-hmm. give them what they need, but you also got to give them what they want. And you kind of make that marriage between the two things, right? I'm sure I keep coming back to Chell because I think it's a really easy example. It's like, they probably need the good nutrition and the better eating, but they want the good flavor and the good taste. So you match the two together. And so you, you provide the want and the need together. And Josh, I'm sure you could have a similar kind of example. I just seem to come really easily with that oh, yeah. example. Yeah. And then <laughs> it's also, I think Henry Ford said, if I gave the customer what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. He made the automobile. <laughs> so there is that like what they want, what they say they want, what they need and who push the ball forward so that it's like, no, this is better for you. You can't even imagine <laughs> yet, like how much better the automobile is compared to a, a faster horse. So, And Steve, if I may, a good takeaway for solopreneurs or wannabe solopreneurs who are scared to take that next step. My grandfather, before he passed, would always say, ah, Jelly, I could have been somebody. And mind you, he was very New York in case you couldn't tell by the accent. But <laughs> That's sad. So at 90 years old, he felt like he didn't accomplish anything. I mean, if you have an idea in your head, don't be the 90-year-old saying that you could have been somebody. Make that small step today and you will be that person reflecting back. So I think that's, as a teenager, I didn't understand it when he was telling me that, but I completely understand it today. So take that small step and have no regrets. Yeah, that's exactly right. Don't regret. Take the action today. Excellent way to wrap up our conversation. Where can our folks find you at? Because I know you have a podcast, and that's the Unstuck Institute podcast. And you have a website for that book you're talking about. Yeah. So the podcast, wherever fine podcasts are downloaded, you can find us at Unstuck Institute. And our website is unstuck.institute. And if you go to unstuck.institute backslash success for your listeners, they can download our life book for free today. Check it out. It's totally free. It's not like enter your credit card free. It's like free, free, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Fantastic. Well, thank you for providing that for our listeners. I will include that link again in the show notes and you'll get the link to show notes in the outro. Thank you guys for coming on today. I really enjoyed this conversation. It's terrific. Yeah. Thanks so much, Steve. Thanks, Steve. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all-new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com. Hey, solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. As always, you can find all the show notes for every episode on the podcast page at solopreneurcoach.com or to go directly to the show notes for this episode, visit solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 042. You might not be surprised to learn that Josh and Chell continue to pivot their business ventures to meet new goals and challenges since we recorded this episode. You'll find links to catch up with them 
as well as a link to grab that free downloadable copy of their life book on the show notes, which again is solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 042. Finally, if you'd like to watch the recordings of that special panel discussion on solopreneur startup challenges mentioned at the start of this episode, you can join my Solopreneur Success Connections community as a patron member today for just $7. That gives you instant access to that panel recording from May, as well as 25 more member training session recordings already in our archives. You can learn more about that on the membership page at solopreneurcoach.com.